I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. I'll be a lot of things over the course of a day. So many adjectives will describe me over the course of a 24-hour period, but really I sleep four or five hours, so a 19 or 20-hour period in every day. Emotionally empty is not going to be one of them. You will not catch me being emotionally empty, James. I am never emotionally empty. No. I can't I'm, I'm running on empty. Yeah, I'm who among us? It's... Uh, it's the Insiders. That's James. I'm Kyle. The Kings lose to the Clippers 131-117 last night. Emotionally empty were the words Sasha Vizenkov used to describe the Kings and their performance against the Clippers last night <clears throat> or the reason for their performance against the Clippers last night. And that's, to me, exactly what it looked like. Yes. That was a team that got down early and went, nah, I got I'm nothing. I, I got nothing for you. You know... I really, really enjoy talking to Sasha Vizenkov. So I will tell you, first of all, there's there's a Greek reporter who's been in town for a couple of days. So shout out to him um, to interview Sasha and to hang out. Um, but also, I went over during pregame and, and talked to him. I, we were actually having a conversation from like across the room. And I said, hey, you looked, uh, you had a good, it was nice to see you have a good game last night. And he, he goes... I can play. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, you can. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go have a conversation with you now. And so like, there's, there's just an ease to him. Mm-hmm. And then to watch him like in post game, go between English and then switch to Greek and give an entire explanation in, in mm. Greek. Like he's a really intriguing dude. And I think he did capture the essence of it wasn't an excuse he said we don't want to make an excuse because everyone plays back-to-backs but it was an emotional game the night before and Mm -hmm. we were emotionally empty like i think you could look at it in like the wrong way like they were they're just saying like hey we're just done but that's not what they're saying like we gave everything we had to beat the the warriors Mm -hmm. and we're shot yeah. Like, and that happens sometimes. It's like a, to me, the equivalent would be like a low social battery where yes. you've been in crowds and you've been talking to people and you've been schmoozing and you're, you got friends over 
This happens a lot to me during the holidays. You got friends over and then family, and then you got this party to go to and that party to go to. And then by the time January 1st comes around, it's like, oh my God, I need a day to not do anything. Yeah. I cannot work up the energy to go be like, yeah, social guy. That is how last night looked for, for Sacramento. They just couldn't work up the energy. And that's not a knock on them as a basketball team. That's not, we talked about this yesterday. Like that was the biggest pitfall of this game. Are the Clippers, do they, do they have good players? Like a hundred percent, but in a seven game series, I'm picking the Kings and I would still pick the Kings. Mm -hmm. But when you look at situation and you look at how last night's game lined up with that Warriors game and the way that Warriors game went, if the Kings didn't beat the Warriors by 20, I don't, I don't think that the Clippers game goes the same way. But given that it was the comeback and it's the, it's the what do they call it in base? A high stress inning, a lot of high stress minutes for the Kings the night before. Yes, and then you have to suit up. A back to back is is tough to begin with. And again, this is not an excuse because at some point, like, hey, playoff games, you're gonna have a big emotional win. You're gonna get one day, and then you're gonna have to go be really good again. This is just the learning process, and I think it's good to experience this now on November 29th. Mm-hmm. It's November 30th today, but yesterday was 29th. Yeah. You'd rather experience that on November 29th so you can figure out in the future, like, hey, when we have a big emotional win, it can't be followed by, yeah, we just didn't have it the next night. Yeah. And Kyle, I'm going to point out, like, this is the first time for all of these things for this team, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. like, this team has never been through all of these, like, trials and tribulations. And you have to experience these things. And that's why. You know, like losing a game seven, it can be really dramatic for a team. We saw how dramatic it was mm-hmm. afterwards, like losing to the Warriors four times in a row, boom, 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 afterwards. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was residual from game seven. Mm. Like you got to figure out a way to get through it. You got to yeah. figure out a way to climb over the mountain and get to the other side. Mm. And I think they did that. But like you don't go out there and, and run a marathon and then get up the next morning. Someone goes, hey, let's run. A, let's go hit this 5K. Yeah. You're like, no, I ain't got nothing left. And so I get it. Um, that was more than a win. And that's why I hate the term one of 82. Because <laughs> that wasn't one of 82. Right, no matter what anybody night. wants to say. It, it was not one of 82. It was one of one. And this team learned a lot from that game. Mm-hmm. And they learned a lot about themselves. But they also wore themselves out. And mm-hmm. so, like, you need to figure out a way to get better on back-to-backs. Yeah. That's a problem. This team has got stomped twice on back-to-backs. They've only had two back-to-backs. They've got 15 on the season. You can't just write off 15 losses. That's and say, hey. not a thing you can do. Yeah. Like, hey, it is what it is. Like, I, you know, can't do it. Especially, especially when you're losing to a team that if the Kings and Clippers played in a seven-game series, I'd pick the Kings in, like, five games. Like, I genuinely think that they are better than L.A. Okay. To that extent. And when you go just have nothing for them, that that's a winnable game still, even on a back-to-back. And I know the Clippers are – and I don't want to, like, take away – I think the Clippers are, 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 are good, but where I hold the Kings or where I think the Kings should be, frankly, is not, <clears throat> hey, just can't beat this team tonight. Like, you should still be able to figure out how to win that game. Yeah. So – that was just, it was it's not so much that they lost it was how 
the the general malaise that they played with. It was just, man, that is... They were the, emotionally detached. You yeah, could see it the, the whole time. The, the energy was bad. It was... They'd get a couple of buckets and then some Olay defense on the other end, and it was easy layups for for the Clippers. It cl- that L.A. had so many. If saying L.A., I always think Lakers. <laughs> yeah, but but the Clippers had so many open looks at the basket from three. They were getting whatever they wanted, and there was just no resistance. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr. The the word Steve Kerr always uses is force. Okay. Like they didn't play with enough force. That was the Kings had nothing last night. And again, it's not. It's not an excuse. It's not like they they didn't play well enough and mm-hmm. they lost. They got they got hammered at home. But on the other hand, we can't be sitting here in February going, yeah, you know, it was a back to back. They just didn't have it tonight. Hey, man, like now you got to get up for one of these. Yeah, at some point you've got to be better than the situation, mm-hmm. and and I get it. But I also think that like the end season tournament, like it, it did mean something. Beating mm-hmm. the Warriors, it meant something. And then let's add in this other element, which realistically is what wiped me out. Mm-hmm. It was like a three and a half hour game, it felt like. So like we we get the tip off got pushed back on Tuesday night until 7.15. And then it's a TNT game. So TNT breaks are like a minute longer than any other uh, like televised break that you're going to have. So the game slows down. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, Mike Brown got done talking and he talked for almost 20 minutes after the game, and that was after we had two players. Mm-hmm. It was 11 o'clock at night, and we, we hadn't even got to the locker room yet. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I got a jet. I got a show in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you saw it even in pregame. Mike Brown stepped up to the podium in pregame and like had he had zero, zero charisma, zero energy in pregame. You could see it. And they're wiped out. Even the coach was wiped out. And then the problem that you have is that you're playing a team in the Clippers that aren't very good. They have stars, and they've but they, they don't fit together. They have not been playing well. And they're a team that just lost to the Denver Nuggets a couple of nights earlier where they had a huge lead, mm-hmm. and they let it go against a team playing without Jokic, mm-hmm. without uh, Aaron Gordon. Without Gordon, without Murray, yeah, they they got beat by that team. They got beat by DeAndre Jordan two nights earlier, who hung up twenty one points more than he'd scored since twenty eighteen. Exactly. And so what Mike Brown was doing in the fourth quarter, he stayed with his players. He was mm-hmm. looking out there and going, "Man, first of all, I, I asked him about. It. He said, "I'm going to try a couple of things. Right? I, we wanted to try some things because we're going to play these guys again. Mm-hmm. So let's hit them with this. Let's hit them with that. Let's see how they react. Let's let's see if we can mm-hmm. get some different play sets in." He's like, did I stick with the starters a little too long? I probably did. He's like, but at the same time, like there were these little runs, dude. It was. I kept waiting because <laughs> I'm was I'm I'm in a better spot than you are, but I'm still like, man, if it's a game where I go, hey, I can finish this, I can record this and and watch it in the morning. Yeah, uh, because there's a different experience watching it live versus you know not, mm-hmm. and. I kept waiting for a point where, like, okay, I can turn this one off. Okay, I can turn this one off. Okay, finish this. Mo- but with like six minutes left in the fourth, it was like, ah, I, st- eh. I guess there are a couple of threes and a couple stops away from this being real interesting. It's a combination of <laughs> having some faith in who the Sacramento Kings look like they're going to be. Yeah. And having so little faith 
and who the Los Angeles Clippers are. Uh, one thousand percent. It's a mixture of both. And the fact is, your star showed up. He didn't have like he wasn't just so unstoppable. De'Aaron Fox put a forty, a casual forty. And that's why he's our Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. There it is. ESPN1320.com. Hit that Jiffy Lube contest page. It's right there on the front. You can't miss it. Enter the code word FOX, F-O-X, and enter to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. Go on. The password is FOX. ESPN1320.com. Jiffy Lube contest page. Can't miss it. Code word FOX. Okay, so if FOX is going to sit there and keep you at least within striking distance, Mm-hmm. Then you gotta like, you gotta give it a shot for someone else to catch fire. And if one other person catches fire, then can one more player, mm-hmm. can one more. And next thing you know, you get a couple of stops and the thing shifts. The, the problem the Kings had is they did not have any way to get a stop at all. That, like, right. It was, well, and we'll get into this. We'll have your six quick thoughts in the next segment. But yeah. they, Deer and Fox to me and Sass in our in our YouTube chat, youtube.com slash ESPN 1320. Sass in the chatty house said that was one of the least impactful 40 point games. I thought Sasha was the most impactful with a positive plus minus because he was plus six in a blowout. I would I don't disagree with the Sasha point, but to me that wasn't a a, a non impactful forty is when you shoot it thirty five times and you score forty and your team loses by a ton. That was Fox doing everything he could to keep them from losing by thirty. Yes. If one other play, if Demonis Sabonis, who we'll talk about later, or Kevin Herter or Harrison Barger, somebody hits a few shots, you have a ball game there. So to me, it's not, that wasn't Deer and Fox just putting up empty stats. I totally agree. Right. Like, it, you can't stumble your way to 40, especially on 23 shots. And yeah. he hit 9 to 10 from the line. Like, he did what he had to do to, mm-hmm. to, to improve off of his previous game. Mm-hmm. He dropped 40. He just didn't have someone else to run with him. Yeah. We'll dive into more on De'Aaron Fox, more on his supporting cast, and of course, Sasha Vizenkov, who, once again, a really, really good game mm-hmm. uh, from the rookie. We will dive into all of that with James Six Quick Thoughts next. That's James. I'm Kyle. We're the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube. This is ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports Leader. Yes. Now, back to the insiders with James Ham and oh. Kyle Matson, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Lost my buttons for a second. Uh oh. But I wasn't emotionally empty while doing it. Well, doing it with love in my heart. <laughs> Speaking of love in, in our hearts, a huge shout out to Jiffy Lube, who pulled up yesterday at some point and dropped off a bunch of boxes. Boxes, with boxes. signs on them that say delivery from Jiffy Lube and they are wrapped in holiday wrapping paper. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the boxes behind James there. We don't know what is inside them. We just know that we are giving those away the week before Christmas. Damien started picking things up and shaking them and stuff. Oh, dang. He did. He like. I hope it's not fragile. Fragile. Yeah, I have no idea what. But they're stacked back there. Don't shake. Don't you shake it now? Oh my God! Now James is shaking the box. Heavy. I can't Heavy guarantee pile. that. I can't guarantee that whatever is gonna you're gonna win is gonna be intact, because apparently we're just shaking all the boxes now. Shaking, not stirred. Brutal. 
So we'll be opening those at some point next week to let you know what it is, and then we'll be telling you how, how we're going to give them away uh, once once we figure out what's inside. I know. What's in the box? What's in the box? So if you want to see what those look like, maybe take a guess, youtube.com slash ESPN1320. That's the website. You can go check it out, check out the video stream, see the boxes, and see if you can guess what it is. Not that you'll win if you guess what it is, but... Yeah, what it, I don't Take think it's that sass. What did what did she guess? He. What did he or she guess? What did what? that person guess? Yo, that'd be incredible. <laughs> Just leaning all the way into the bit. Like, <laughs> hey, here's some here's some stuff on here's a tire changing kit, some new brake pads, and a uh, kit to change. Roadside oil. safety kit. <laughs> roadside safety kit. Oh, yeah, a I mean, funny funny story hey, about roadside possible. safety kits. Yeah, real go quick. Ahead. Yeah. Okay, so and then we'll and then we'll get back. I we'll like tangents. Go thoughts. for it. Yeah, no, no, no. So, I drove a Scion XB for a long time, and in the back of my Scion XB, that's a little toaster car, right? In the back of my Scion Red XB, box. I had a not the original one, the very squared one. Mine was more rounded on the edges. If it was white, it would look like a stormtrooper helmet. Okay, that's how it. I would describe it. Got it. So I had this roadside kit in the back of my car. Well, on the way home from an A's game one night, I was stopping for construction and I got rear-ended at like 70 miles an hour. Oh. And it shattered my, it blew my back window out. It like crumpled up the back of my car and sent me spinning down the freeway. Wow. In the process of all this, my emergency roadside kit not only flew out of my car, but like busted open and strewn across the freeway was my emergency roadside kit. So I get in an accident where I might need the items in here, flares, uh, cones, a little first aid thing, anything like that that I might have needed, I would have to walk into traffic to go get, which to me defeats the purpose of the emergency roadside kit. So it does. RIP. RIP. Textbooks in the back. It was tough. It was a tough go. I had to hit my professors like, hey, do you have an extra copy of this book? I will tell my um, my best friend is a firefighter, City of Davis. Tough. Um, and the stuff he's seen is crazy, but he said that loose things in your car do so much damage. Mm. Like, you know, just think if you have a, if you take your, um, like your ball and, uh, uh, tow hitch off your truck and off, uh, you know, like, so someone doesn't steal your ball and hitch, right? You take that off and you throw it in the, the truck the the back seat of your SUV. Mm-hmm. Just think if you hit something going head on, where that thing is going to go. Sure. It's going to fly right at you. It could kill you. You could survive the accident and get killed by something flying from your right. back seat and right. wipe you out. So, this is the insiders. This is the insiders. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 16, I rolled my dad's truck and uh, I I hit a bank. I'm climbing up the bank. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Were you robbing it? No, like a, a like dirt. Oh, like bank. a side. Oh, like on the like side of the road. On got the it, side got of it. the road. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. I should have deduced that. Go ahead. And I look out of the corner of my eye. I see my dad's tool bucket lift up out of the floorboard and come flying. And I lean back, and it goes right through the driver's door window. Truck lands on it, and I'm sliding in the. I'm literally sliding on a bucket that's crushed all my dad's tools, and like the pavement sliding right next to my face on the driver's door. I had to stand on that's the steering incredible. wheel to get out. That's incredible that you remember that. Oh yeah, 
when I got a hit, <laughs> I don't remember anything. I I just I blacked out. Oh. I don't I couldn't tell you anything that Were you injured, Kyle? No, I was totally fine. I think I banged my head on the steering wheel because my forehead hurt, but oh. it wasn't like bruised <laughs> or cut and then my knee hurt from where I banged it when but okay. that, I was totally fine. Shout out to Scion for the Yeah for the safety. The toaster survived. Well, the toaster didn't survive, but you no, survived. No, the toaster was the totaled. Toaster. The totaled st- toast. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Kings, Clippers. Back to Kings. Let's get let's uh let's blast through six quick thoughts here. Uh, because th- these are just going to kind of set the table for us today. We will be diving into all of these a little bit more. We'll also get into week 13 of the NFL season. Scott Branson of Silver and Black today is going to join us here in about 10 minutes uh, to we talk, talk about fast. the Raiders heading into their bye week. And then we will have uh, 49ers-Eagles talk for you. The point spread in that one, very interesting. But James... Uh, your first one, Fox versus Westbrook. Yeah, so De'Aaron Fox grew up uh, as as Westbrook as one of his favorite players. Uh, he's a player that if you look at their stats throughout their career, they actually mirror each other as a, they uh, you know each year. Um, anyway, he was one of the few players that actually showed up to play. Mm-hmm. 40 points on 14 and 23 shooting. He only had three assists, but no one else really stepped up to hit any extra buckets. Um, I thought he was really good and very impactful and surprisingly, in a game where you're playing against four Hall of Famers for the second straight night, he was the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. Although James Harden did give him a run for his money. In a in a which, ugh. but in yeah. a in a game where not a lot of dudes showed up, De'Aaron Fox showed up, and that's what you want to see from your star number two. Another opportunity. Sasha Vizenkov uh, was a game changer against Golden State. Mike Brown gave him another look against Clippers. Uh, I thought he brought energy. I thought he brought effort. He finished with a career-high 13 points and five rebounds, and he started the second half for Chris Duarte. We never got a, an update on Chris Duarte, but Chris Duarte did not play in the second half of this game, and I don't mm. know if that was there was a specific reason, but uh, Sasha Vizenkov gets a start. Yeah, and Vizenkov was, was really good again. Just I mean, three of five from three is obviously great. Mm-hmm. The five boards you love, 13 points is a plus six. Which is, I mean, all of that is is positive stuff. He is an NBA player, man. Like that's he he belongs in the NBA. What size his role is, I don't I don't fully know yet. I don't even know if the Kings fully know yet. But I mean, he was good last night and good against Golden State, and I think that's about as the best you can hope for on November thirty of his rookie year. I, I totally agree. Yeah. He's right. adjusting and he's figuring it out. Yep. Um, let's get to number three. Sab- Sabonis had another tough night. Um, he's usually consistent, but he struggled against Zubats. Uh, eleven points, three of twelve shooting, five rebounds, three assists. He looked worn out, and to me, the five rebounds was like a huge issue. Like that's a couple of games in a row where he hasn't been the rebounder that he was before. Yep. This is a guy that like finished with sixty something double doubles last year, and I think he's got back to back games without a double double. Yeah, we will discuss Demonis Sabonis at length a little bit later. Let's fly through the last three. Okay, uh, show some fight. I thought Malik Monk, was he's the energizer for this team, and I thought he mm-hmm. did his best, um, but he scored 15 points, 3 of 8 shooting, perfect 7 of 7 from the line. He The 7 of 7 tells me that he was aggressive going and attacking. Yep. He wasn't a big assist man for another uh, for a second straight game. Um I expected more out of him and the JaVale McGee tandem, but that lasted very, very, uh, like, that was short-lived. Yeah, five minutes for JaVale last night. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely not what I expected from 
the overall of Malik Monk, but he was okay. Mm-hmm. Number uh, five. Number five. Uh, everyone jump on the struggle bus. Uh, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Chris Duarte, none of the three made it double-figure scoring. Uh, they combined for a 2 of 10 from long range and scored a total of thirty uh, 23 points. That, to me, is where the De'Aaron Fox 40-point game, that's him doing everything he possibly can. If one of those players has even an average night, the Kings are in the game at the end. They're right at the game. Yeah. Right in the game. Yeah. yeah. But and the crazy thing is they didn't shoot. Seven shots, seven shots, six shots. Yeah. I want twenty shots, man. That's uh, <laughs> I want to dig into all this further later. Last okay. one. Uh make them play it out. Outside of De'Aaron Fox, the Kings rotational players weren't very good, despite the game being nearly out of reach for most of the second half. Mike Brown made his players see it through. Maybe this was a learning lesson. Uh, maybe it was to get them better in better shape. Maybe it was to work out a couple of things. Maybe it was because Mike Brown thought that somehow they would catch up and beat the Clippers. Given how the Warriors game went, how do you not? No, how do I you agree. not let them ride it out? And especially the way the Clippers game went the previous game. Yes. Yeah, might yeah. as well ride it out, but also yeah. it's a learning lesson. Get out yeah. there, play. A teaching moment for sure and not bailing out a team that it's not like hey you guys played played great but they were just a better team tonight it's like man you guys didn't bring it so maybe you can muster up some energy here in the last five or six minutes to figure it out and uh and they didn't i have a tough time like i said yesterday complaining about anything mike brown is doing rotation wise right now he seems to be pushing all the right buttons so I'm sure there was was a, a logical reason for for that. All right, Scott Branson of Silver and Black today. We're going to switch gears here and talk some NFL. We've been really Kings heavy lately, but there's uh, the the Raiders are on a bye, so we'll do a, a bye week check in there, and then we got a huge 49ers Eagles game. We'll start getting prepared for that on the other side as well. Um, plus later on in the show in the second hour, good, bad, and ugly from the Kings Clippers game. We will dive a little bit further into some of James' quick thoughts. All of that is coming up here. On the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports. Later. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, back to 
to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Scott Branson, Silver and Black today. It's an Odyssey original podcast covering all things Las Vegas Raiders. He joins us right now on the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube. That's James. I'm Kyle. He's Scott. Uh, Scott, it's the bye week for the Raiders. They get a week off, some time to reassess. I appreciate you uh, for taking time out during a week where the Raiders don't play to to pop on with us. This is great. Yeah, and you know, apologies again. I missed last week with you. So I, I mean, I guess there was no coordination. My bye week was last week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, always, always good to be back on with you guys. And yeah, it's a bye week, but there's lots of conversation happening around the the Raiders and obviously NFL season doesn't stop even when teams are on bye week. So we'll see yeah. we'll see what they're able to do. They got a lot to figure out between now and when they face the Vikings next Sunday. Uh, and so so lots to talk about despite the fact that the guys all get a week off. So I want to I, I want to look ahead after the bye here at some point, but but let's stick before the bye first. The Raiders sit at 5 and 7. They've fired a head coach, a GM, an offensive coordinator. They've benched their starting quarterback that they paid this offseason. Uh, am I missing anything? Is that right? Is that it? Dogs, cats, yeah, you got living it. together. Yeah, they, okay, they, great. Rain, complete, pours. Complete chaos. Great. Okay, they, perfect. Our pets' heads are falling off. Um, what has <laughs> gone What has gone right for the Raiders before the bye? So, well, a couple things. One is I think I think the switch at head coach, even though that obviously is not in anywhere uh, a good thing per se, because that means obviously things are going wrong. I think the switch when it happened was good for the culture overall and for some of the players that will be around after this year. I think they'll have some more turnover on this roster again. But I think getting getting those guys right, because you had people like Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and the young quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, Josh Jacobs, those guys were not happy with the environment that they were working in. And so uh, I think that that switch was a positive because now at least you're going to get the best of what you can out of what you have. And, and to me, that's a positive. I also think the positive was – that you know, Aiden O'Connell, fourth round rookie, is he uh, a franchise quarterback? It doesn't look like it yet, but he's doing well. Can he be developed into something of value for the Raiders, especially being on a rookie contract? I think so, absolutely. He's done well. The fact that Jimmy Garoppolo did so poorly opened the door for him, so they can play him and 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 try to work out the kinks, see what they really have. And he's he's already started in five games, and now he's going to get five more. So you'll have a good sense for what he is and what he could be in the NFL. So I think those two things are, are a big deal. And and if I'm looking for positives, those are definitely two of them. Yeah, Scott, I, I was going to ask about O'Connell. Like, you know, he's he's got a big arm. He, he does some of the things that you want him to do. But is there a moment yet that you've had with him where you're it just stands out where you're like, okay, I think maybe he is one of those guys. Maybe he can be a player in this league. Or is it just too early to tell? You know, it's funny. I oscillate on that. I think there are there have been glimpses of things that are are very encouraging. Uh, if you watch breakdowns of him on film, you see that he makes good choices. Uh, he also can deliver the ball uh, in tight windows. All the things you want a quarterback to do. So, uh, of course, he's got the inexperience, and the inexperience is going to result in turnovers. It's going to re- result in some bad decisions too. But if you look at how quickly he grasps the system, it's pretty good. Not only that, but he's very calm. For, for a guy his age, he doesn't get shaken too much. And sometimes that means he holds on to the ball too long, which is not good, and it results in sacks and whatnot. 
But I think overall, for me, the positives and the negatives, what we don't know yet is how much he can really create. And I think in the NFL today, one of the things that he's not blessed with, and it's not anything he's doing wrong, he's just not fleet of foot. He's not a guy who's going to create like a Josh Allen, and I'm not comparing them overall. I'm just saying somebody who's going to get out of the pocket with their legs and do something, sure. somebody like Stroud, somebody like the uh, Lawrence in, in Jacksonville, they, they can create. And I think in today's NFL, you have to do that. So that limits him. Can he overcome that and can, or can he get better at it? I'm not sure. So I think that you have to look at him and say, okay, what's he going to do? Uh, and is he a guy that you're going to have as a backup? Is he going to have a nice career in the NFL being a spot starter because he is smart and he can throw the ball? Um, maybe that's what his ceiling is, or maybe it's higher and we just haven't seen it yet. Talking with Scott Colbranson, Silver and Black Today. That's an Odyssey original podcast covering all things Las Vegas Raiders. Joining us here on the Insiders on ESPN 1320. It feels like the Raiders, maybe more than any other team, have seen their expectations fluctuate a lot over the course of this year. It was before the year it was like, this could be a playoff team. And then James and I were talking in week five, like, dude, they just got to punt on this season and play for a draft pick. Now at five and seven, like, hey, you know what? They looked pretty good against, they looked okay against Miami. And now they can, they they were ahead of the Chiefs by, by a couple of touchdowns early on before letting that one slip away. Can they maybe hang around and, and make a playoff push at the end? So what's your expectation now for the Raiders coming out out of the bye week? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think that you look at where they're at, what their remaining schedule looks like. And I just have not seen anything from a consistency basis that points to me that this team can make a run to the playoffs. Okay. So, and that's not being overly negative. It's just looking at the, the body of work that we've seen. Even after McDaniels is fired and Antonio Pierce takes over, they go 500, they go two and two. So if you look at that and you look at the schedule coming down the pike, they got to face Minnesota. They got to face the LA Chargers who are in a mess themselves about to get their coach fired. Uh, but then you got to face the Broncos who now uh, are on fire, the NFL's hottest teams, uh, one of the NFL's hottest. And then you got to face the Chiefs again. So I look at that and I say, hmm, what realistically could they do? And, and I'm thinking out of five games, could they win two? Absolutely. Can they win four? I think that's a stretch. And by the way, I think they kind of have to win. If they want, we hear, keep hearing players want Antonio Pierce as their permanent head coach. If he wants to be permanent head coach, he's got to pull a rabbit out of his hat at this point. He's got to go four and one. They still don't make the playoffs, I don't think. I think you're going to have to win 10. Um, and I just don't think they get there, even if they went on a hot streak. But again, I think that they just don't have, as I always say, the Jimmys and the Joes to be a consistent team that's going to make a playoff run. you got a young quarterback. Um, you got an offense that has never been consistent all season long, and that all points to, okay, maybe they'll get a couple more wins, uh, but it's definitely going to be, hey, let's see and evaluate what we have and then go into next year and figure out what we're going to do at coach and figure out what we're going to do in the draft to fill this roster better. Scott, the the Raiders made a move this weekend um, with waving Marcus Peters. Uh, they also had, what, a Roderick Teamer issue. Um, just mm -hmm. the drama hasn't, they haven't been able to avoid, uh, actually since they've been in Vegas, but, uh, but overall, even like this season, there's been drama hit here and there. Uh, what was it? Chandler Jones early in the season, right? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you got on, on the Marcus Peters situation or, or even the, the teamer situation? 
Well, Marcus Peters, number one, um, I think they, they had been frustrated with him earlier. If you go back to the Chicago game, people felt, I mean, even fans just watching, you know, emotional fans get, of course, but he, he didn't seem to be putting forward a full effort. I mean, you can sort of tell, I mean, for us, those of us who cover the sport and cover other sports, you can kind of tell when a guy's not right or he's not putting everything into it. And Marcus Peters just wasn't doing that. And it just got over, I think, worse and worse and worse. And then in the Chiefs game, I mean, he had one of the worst, uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm tackling the guy and throw my arms at him and just let him go by, mm. that I've ever seen. That resulted then in a heated conversation on the sideline between him and Antonio Pierce. And right after the game, I think it was Vic Tafer, the athletic, said, uh, yeah, signs indicate that he's going to be, be released soon. And sure enough, the next day he was cut. He, listen, he was not going to be the Marcus Peters that everybody knew in his heyday, but his lack of effort, I, I think my, maybe Marcus Peters had, was just done with football. You know, his skills had declined enough where maybe he wasn't excited to play. And it was showing on the field. And the Raiders got to figure out their defensive backfield. And they have some young players they can move around there to see what they can do on the outside. Uh, and then, of course, they went and got Jack Jones after he was released from – put on waivers by the Patriots. So they have some other bodies to put in there. So they wanted to move on. The Roderick Teamer thing, look, after what happened with Henry Ruggs, um, and, and the accident, the drunk driving, the speeding, uh, that's just not going to be tolerated, right? It, and, and the Raiders aren't going to do that. And so when Roderick Teamer does that, not only does it, but does it the night before the game against the Chiefs when he's supposed to be at the team hotel, pretty easy to cut bait. And I also think yep. it speaks to the culture that while he's in charge, Antonio Pierce isn't going to put up with that stuff. And so uh, I think he had a lot to do with that and saying goodbye to Teamer uh, and just cutting him loose. We've mentioned Antonio Pierce here a couple times as we talk with Scott Branson of Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Covering all things Las Vegas Raiders, we've mentioned Antonio Pierce a couple times. It sounds like in in your mind, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, that that he's kind of a long shot to be the long-term answer as head coach. Does he really need to go like 5-0 and and make the playoffs to be in that conversation? Or is the, hey, the vibes are good, the culture seems to be heading the right way, is that still going to be good enough at the end of this year? Well, I, I don't. I don't think he has to make the playoffs, but definitely a four and one would help him. I mean, look, he, he's a great guy, and, and fans don't want to hear it because fans have fallen in love with this guy, and fans want to name him the head coach already. And and what we've said on our shows, what's the hurry? Like, you don't know who else wants the job. It's not that he's going to be the only person available that wants one of the only thirty-two jobs in the world, mm-hmm. coaching an NFL team, right? So I think if you look at that, he's got all of the the intangibles you want in a head coach. What he doesn't have. He doesn't have experience as a coordinator. He was a position coach. Now, in college he did, but not at the pro level. And I think the Raiders, what the Raiders need is is they need somebody who's going to come in and innovate and change the trajectory of the franchise on the football side in a way that they really need. If you look around the league and you look at the the, the kind of hot coaching candidates, not that they all work out, mm-hmm. but if you look at them, they're all younger guys who are doing things differently. They're innovating on offense. They're innovating on defense, and I think that's what the Raiders need. Now, if he earns it, I think he can earn it. If he if he goes four and one, great. Then he's got to be in serious consideration for it. But I, I just don't I don't think it's the the way to go because does he have the contacts? He's been around, but as he's a player, but has he had the contacts where he can go get a, a top notch offensive coordinator next year? Or if he's got to backfill and do another defensive coordinator, does he have the contacts to do that? I just don't don't think he is. I think everybody's rooting for him, guys. But in reality, I think he is still a long shot. You look at the numbers of interim coaches who've taken over. The only one that had any great number of success, and even that could be argued, was Jason Garrett. When Jason Garrett took over in Dallas as an interim coach, he ended up taking that 
his team to the playoffs in three different years after that. Nobody else has done that since 2000. So it's a long shot. Man. All right, last thing, and then we'll get you out of here, Scott, and, and we really appreciate your time as always. Who was the pre-bi-week MVP for the Raiders for you? Oh, I think I think no question it has to be Max Crosby. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, he if he was on if he was on a winning team, if he was on I don't know, anybody, name him. If he was on Philadelphia, he would be oh, probably God. right there with Miles Garrett as the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's on the Raiders, uh, Miles Garrett, uh, even though he's just on the Brown, his numbers are so good. So I, I think that it's definitely Max Crosby, uh, without a doubt, uh, when you look at just the totality. I mean, he is the Raiders. Who is it on the offensive side? Boy, that's a, that's a tougher question. Um, Josh <laughs> Jacobs has been so up up and down. Yeah. Um, I, I think and when you look at that and what's happened there, you know, I think overall, a surprising name, I, I, even though he's been a little bit quiet the last several weeks, has been uh, early on was Jacoby Myers. Yeah. It was, was incredible. And, of course, Devontae Adams is there, but Devontae Adams' use has been up and down. So I would go with Jacoby Myers or Aiden O'Connell, who's come in, and even even though he hasn't, He's two and three as a starter. He has settled the quarterback position to the point where they've done better. Are they doing good enough? No, but they've done better. And after the Garoppolo disappointment, I think that he deserves some consideration there too. That's Scott Colbranson. You can check him out. Silver and Black today is the podcast. Check it out uh, on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Scott, thanks so much for dropping by the Insiders Day. We really appreciate you, man. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Yep. Enjoy the bye week. There you go. Scott Colbranson. Really enjoy talking Raiders with him. I do too. I need I need the Raiders. I, I I don't think four and one is probably realistic. No. Like Minnesota has questions at quarterback. Like, okay, that's that's fair. The Chargers can lose any week. Their ability to to lose a game they shouldn't is unmatched. At Kansas City, that's a little tough. At Indiana or at Indiana, geez, now I'm on NBA. At Indianapolis, yep. That's uh, Indy's a playoff team right now. They're not an easy out. And then you got Denver, who's who's won five in a row right now. That's going to be a, five. That's yep. going to be a really tough stretch. But I don't know. Get that win against Minnesota. Maybe upset the Chargers. Okay. Just get the get back to five hundred. Get the vibes moving the right way. Uh oh. I don't know. I, I, you never know. Like uh, this, the one thing I can say about the Raiders is they lose when they shouldn't, and they win when they shouldn't uh, this season. And so you kind of get that vibe that you know, like all bets are off from here on out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're on a bye this week. We will check back in with Scott next week as the Raiders gear up to play Minnesota. The 49ers play this week in... I hate calling it the game of the year before the game even happens. It's the game of the year, Kyle. It feels like it. It feels like the... <laughs> no, it feels like when the schedule came out, this was the one that... This was one of the first games that quote-unquote leaked. I love that a schedule leak which was tweeted out by the NFL. Like that's not a leak. That's a, that's an announcement. Yeah. That, you know, that, that, that was one of the first games the, the league announced because that's the, that's the NFC championship game rematch. And it almost feels like this has more, more fanfare than, and maybe it's because of the, of the Northern California bubble I live in, but it feels like this game has more fanfare than the Super Bowl rematch between the chiefs and Eagles. Oh yeah. I would think so. Because I, I think, realistically, if you look at what happened last season, I think Philadelphia, they were like a really good team. They were a feel-good story all the way throughout the season. But you weren't convinced that they were that team, right? Mm-hmm. Then, of course, whatever happens in the NFC Championship, it, championship game happens, right? 
you lose your quarterback, you lose your backup quarterback, you have no quarterback. Mm-hmm. So like the the Niners were done, right? Yeah. But but then Philadelphia like they move on and and now they look like a true contender. Where mm-hmm. last year I don't know that anyone was convinced that they are a true contender yet. Yeah. Right? You thought they were close, but are they really that team? Mm-hmm. Now you think they are, but you also think the Niners are. And this is this should be epic. This should be a a like clash of the titans. You ho- like, like you hope so. Like, can the Niners keep their quarterback healthy? That's step one. But no, I think that's part. I, I I legitimately think that's part of it though, because you brought up the quarterback thing earlier. Yeah, it feels like okay. The the Eagles kicked the crap out of the Niners in in the NFC Championship game, but it didn't feel indicative of where those two teams are functionally. Yeah, the 49ers weren't twenty four points worse than the Eagles last year. No, and I think that's part of the whole thing. Is hey, what does this look like if the Niners can keep their quarterback healthy for four quarters? We were robbed of a great NFC Championship game. Like, yeah. but realistically, and I mean, like, I, I no one intended to hurt Brock Purdy. I'm not saying, you know, that, but like, that should have been a really good game. Yeah. And it turned out to be not a really good game because you lost in a free, honestly, freak yeah. injury, too. Guys get hit in the arm while they're throwing all the time, all the time without blowing their UCL out. Yeah. Just a tough, really, really tough situation. And like I said, the Eagles. I thought the Eagles were were probably better, and I I thought they were going to win going into that game. I thought it was going to be tight, but I thought they were going to win. The thirty-one to seven score is not indicative, and everybody looks at that game and goes, "Oh, well, that was the game where the 49ers had a quarterback with no arms." Yeah, and and now we actually get to. So I think this is is actually like, hey, let's see it again. We've seen okay, Brock Purdy is actually legit. He can actually play. The 49ers are good again. The Eagles are even better. So let's let's see what these two teams look like. Yeah. So I'm I am fascinated and and honestly, I think that we're going to we're going to learn something this weekend about both teams, but I'm also still penciling them both into the NFC title game. Where that game is played, TBD, but I haven't seen anything so far in the NFC that lets me think that they're not the two best teams. I would also say this, Kyle. This might be the battle for the MVP, and hmm. and it can go a couple of different ways. Like if Hertz like leads them and and continues his his late game heroics, yeah. and and defeats the 49ers in dramatic fashion or or He's runs them over, yeah, then it's probably his to lose yeah, from I here agree. on out. But if Brock Purdy throws for 350 and three touchdowns and That'd tears apart the the Eagles. You're going to start hearing a lot more chatter. Mm-hmm. If Christian McCaffrey goes for 125 and three touchdowns, you're going to start hearing the chatter mm-hmm. there. So I, I think that this is a moment where one of these teams is going to come out as like the the team that everyone believes is the best team in football, mm-hmm. and probably has the MVP. But I genuinely, I, I I think you're you're right because narratives play such a big role. But then there's you know five games after this one, of course, that will also set the table for for who's going to eventually win that MVP. But as far as the, you know, public front runner, I definitely think that Sunday is going to have a massive massive bearing on that. Yeah, because I, if Jalen Hurts can't get through the 49ers. Yeah, if he just doesn't play well and maybe has a comeback fall short, then then sure. Then you're going to look at all of his other stats and realize that his, his stats are really like they're not pedestrian. You know, but That's they're a also, really good player. They, you no, know, they are. He's a really good player, but his stats don't hold up 
against some of the other statistical players. You know, he has 11 rushing touchdowns this year. Okay. Okay. Two of them have come from outside the three-yard line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... that's That tush-push is nasty. It, it is, but those aren't, like, I, I think so, when Josh Allen had, like, 11 or 12 touchdown rushing touchdowns, yeah. those were legit. Like, I don't consider the tush-push as, like, you know, like Marcus Allen is one of the greatest the, short yardage backs of all time. Mm-hmm. Like his touchdowns were well-earned. He like, if you got Marcus Allen to the two yard line, you're getting a touchdown every yeah. single time. Yeah. That's, I think it's, it's hard because it's obviously not the same as, Oh, finding a little, uh, finding a crease and, and bashing your way through or running through a linebacker or, you know, bouncing it outside and scoring. I know it's not the same as that, but there's still something involved there. Like it still takes a dominant offensive line. You have to have a quarterback who's strong enough to uh, push himself forward through the mass of bodies. Um, I, I definitely think there's more to it than just like, oh, anyone could do that. But on the other hand, it's not the same as, hey, indiv- the the touchdown run he had at, to win the Bills game, talking about Jalen Hurts here, mm-hmm. that was a play that not a lot of quarterbacks can make. Okay. That just straight quarterback draw, he's going to go in, make a guy miss, and beat a couple guys to the end zone. That That is, I think, the kind of run you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Again, like, uh, Josh Allen, like, when he scored all those touchdowns as a running quarterback, mm-hmm. it was, like, outside the pocket running, like, sure. like plowing through guys yeah. at the two-yard line to get into the end zone. Yeah. To me, this is, it's not even like a running back having 11 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like this is not the same, hmm. so it's not like we're talking about you know like the the Mike Allstott type situation <laughs> where he he had ten touchdowns every year. It's not that. It's you know they're they're it's almost like a weird gimmick, and like I don't really put an asterisk next to stats except for that. To me, it doesn't feel like it's like it's an honest to goodness individual effort like leading to a touchdown. My thing with Jalen Hurts is if he was. Tw- I always I always talk myself into this corner and I never have a good number. If he was fifteen percent worse, the Eagles are probably like eight and three right now. Maybe seven and four. Okay. But he has been A really good and then B excellent in huge spots. Like every big spot they've needed their quarterback to go make a play, he's made it. And that that counts for something when it comes to the MVP race. What's fascinating to me is not only did the 49ers open as the favorites at some books that they opened as a it, it was a pick them mm-hmm. so it was just a, the line was zero but depend i was it, i don't know if i can uh am i allowed to mm, at a betting site that i looked at today okay the niners were up to minus three after opening at minus a point and a half on sunday night oh and man look that's wild kyle it's crit i thought for sure that this was going to be one of those games where it's Eagles favored by two, two and a half. They're at home. Even if you think they're matched up pretty evenly, the link is a really tough place to play. So, okay, you get you give the Eagles a couple points and, and feel good about it. Niners minus three. Even if you think San Francisco's better, you that, can get pl- the Eagles and wild. three points at home? That's the 10-1 and one Eagles? I'm uh, taking the... I, if you give me a grand... You have a grant. I'm, I'm going to give you a grant. Okay. And maybe that's what's in the boxes. Oh. No, no, I don't think it's that. Just, just, 
thousand one hundred dollar bills. Um, no giant box. <laughs> no, uh, I'm gonna give you a grand. Okay, you have to bet it on 49ers minus three or Eagles plus three. No props, no alternate lines, nothing like that. Just straight up, you're betting the point spread. I would have a really hard time being like, yeah, I'm gonna risk this thousand dollars on the 49ers. Also, the 49ers minus three points. I might take it, but it, it's a coin flip. I, I like I'm surprised. Like the home team always gets roughly two and a half, three points. And to have them be like so that means it's this is a five and a half, six point spread, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm stunned, Kyle. I don't mm, stunned. I don't I don't I don't understand it. Like, I, I read my text to my sports better buddy yesterday, and he's like, yep, basically, Eagles have gotten lucky. And I'm like, eh. Wow. We'll dive into this a little. We'll dive into this more tomorrow. We'll put a pin in it for now. We'll we'll do our, our full preview on Friday's show. But I, I'm i endlessly fascinated by how people outside of Philadelphia and outside of the Northern California sphere view this game. Let's get back into the Kings and Clippers. We've got the good, bad, and ugly from last night's game coming up for you. Uh, also... Aaron Rodgers is apparently trying to return this year. You want to find out why? Uh, that's James. I'm Kyle. We're the insider sponsored by Jiffy Lube here on ESPN 1320. Sacramento Sports Later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.